0: Linden Brathwaite is the founder of Suite, which is the first sales enablement practice in the Caribbean. His company is focused in two areas, sales technology and sales training, which he combines in his engagements to provide clients with the most possible value. In this episode, Linden walks us down his entrepreneurial path and shares the highs and lows associated with following his heart and stepping out to build something new. He goes into his why and what's driven him to overcome setbacks and difficult obstacles on his way to where he is right now. There are a lot of important gems in here with regard to sales process design and implementation. But what stands out to me the most is the inspiring story of Lyndon following his heart and having the guts to figure it out as it went along. All right, Lyndon, thank you very much for being on the show. We've been buds for a long time. Uh, we've never met in person. We've been Instagram buddies for what, like five years now. I think it's it's been a long time. Uh, so I'm excited for this conversation. It's long overdue. For the audience, let's first set the scene um right. you're in trinidad tobago you're in the caribbean right. I, I googled some pictures because i've never been there <laughs> but it looks like paradise man uh you there's worse places to work i bet to right work. Yeah.
1: yeah so yeah yeah I'm um, so i'm um i'm one of the the a number of countries in the english english speaking caribbean trinidad and tobago being one of them um trinidad and tobago is one of the hubs where it kind of drives a lot of the things that's happening in the economy okay the the Population size, don't laugh, is 1.4 million. So I know that places in the US, if of course way beyond in that in terms of one city or a smaller part yeah, of a this state. Is but, this is
2: true.
1: <laughs> but at the end of the day, we carry a lot of energy. I mean, if you've, you've never been here, so like right now, we are gearing up for the carnival season. So nice. we have a number of parties that's coming on, coming in. You know, I just picked up some family members last night from the US. Trinidadians, of course, but they've lived they've lived abroad all their life. So um, they come in, if it's one time carnival. over the year, they come in, they come in for carnival, they spend yeah. two weeks, they take some heat, running away from the New York cold, and um, then to go back, you know, so it's a busy period right now. Um, but nonetheless, they, they, they you know, they're here to have a good time. And um, that's kind of what we, we're about. I would always say that... Um, we carry a lot of energy, so up, up after us. Then there's Jamaica. Then there's Barbados and stuff like that. But is that arguable um, though? If I was talking yeah, to someone yeah. in Jamaica, <laughs> would they be like, "Yeah, it's us"? Then it's Trinidad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I would definitely say so. We always have a little banter between Jamaicans and stuff. But I would easily say sometimes Jamaica would win because if you speak to anyone outside of the outside of the Caribbean, if they hear an accent that sounds Caribbean, the first place they say is, "Hey, you Jamaican?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, <man. Yeah. laughs>
0: You know, right. no, so, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're clarifying that. This is not everybody with a Caribbean accent from Jamaica. Get your facts straight, people. Exactly. <laughs> don't make an assumption. Well, the funny thing yeah. is I'm looking at the map right now. And so uh, your country is actually directly east of Venezuela. I mean, you're closer to yes. Venezuela than you are to Jamaica. It looks yes, like. that's yeah. correct.
1: That's correct. Yeah. And then we, we all, we're also experience some um, trickle down in that from, uh, from a social and economic standpoint because, yeah. because of Jamaica's... Um, Venezuela's issue you know we have some folks that's coming into the country but you know for us that's like a little bit of a blessing because we have a close relationship with 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 Venezuela we do mm-hmm. um trade with them and we do stuff with oil and you know so right right like any you know, countries
0: naturally would that are bordering each other that way and yeah, sharing resources and so yeah, forth
1: yeah you know so so yeah mine is good so yeah, yeah you to turn Trinidad
0: i I keep saying i'm going to go i I think every year uh i keep (laughs) promising you that i'm going to get out there because uh my my know my daughters their number one destination is is jamaica so i think we're gonna change that to to trinidad Trinidad. instead. right 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 well uh you've always wanted to be an entrepreneur uh we're here to talk about your practice a little bit so Mm -hmm. you know you you help organizations with their sales practices and you've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and do this but you're on a mission that's a little bit bigger than just wanting to be an entrepreneur and it has to do with the country that you live in Um, you were telling me a little bit about changing hearts and minds of business operators and how the region generally is slow to adopt technology and um, can see salespeople as commodities quote unquote yeah So I found that interesting. And then uh, you sent me some resources that, you know, you know, I like to do my research, right? The 2018 world economic forum scored the country as the 83rd out of 137 on global competitive index on the global competitive index. I'm sorry. Uh, I think the most recent version of this is 2020. I wonder where you guys stand now, but in the global competitive landscape, 83rd out of 137. I get the gist from your uh, your blog post, Trinidad and Tobago's sales industry and its challenge with growth. That you're not really proud about that (laughs) position. (laughs) So you're you're on a mission. Talk to me a little bit about uh, uh, this this mission and starting the first sales enablement agency. Right.
1: So so yeah it, it it started off it started off somewhere around 2014. So I've been I've been thinking about making a move into the space of sales training or just like even having my business. Right. But the, the longer that I stayed in the space of sales, I started sales in 2003 and I, you know, I tell people sales kind of saved my life. Right. I wasn't I, up until 2003, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. I didn't have a clear direction. I didn't have any immediate skills I could have relied on, <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. And as I got into the business of sales, I started to learn a little bit more about me, because of course, you had to meet people. I never did that before. I mean, I worked in a bank, and yes, meeting people, but it's all transaction, right? Um, so when I got into sales, I started to now kind of discover personality and techniques, and I actually found areas that I was actually very good in. I mean, I started, like I see it more now, but I started to get a little glimpses of it, and people would tell me, you know, like, you're very good in terms of the way you interact or your way to you pick up on certain things with with people, and um, it just kind of grew from there, you know? And the, the the concern that I have, so if I had just had to kind of tell you a little bit about what the issue that I have now is, and kind of maybe come back a little bit later as to how, it, how that started or what I've seen since that time is, so if we talk, so there's a little thing in the Caribbean where we say, if America or Europe catches the cold, um, pretty much so, should I to be going to get the cold as well, right? Okay. Or if something is happening in the US, we're going to feel the effects of it six months after or whatever it is. Got it. But sometimes that is always said on a negative standpoint. Flip that into the positive. Hmm. If it is a we, if, it is a we could have, if we show that we're going to feel the effects of what's happening in the US or in Europe six months or nine months down the line, which we normally do, right? Um, then why aren't we experiencing the same thing on the positive side, when it comes to tech advancement, when it comes to um, business development and growth. I mean, we are, Mm -hmm. and I hope I'm saying this right, we're approximately 64, 65 years in terms of us as an independent country. But I sometimes don't feel proud of that because of the fact that I think that we're behind. We are very late or slow to adopt certain things, technology being one of them. And we're sometimes very laid back and very comfortable as as an overall country. And that could, that is a lot of a big part of our economy, you know. And it's not like we don't have the wealth. From, uh, we, I mean, oil has been a oil. Well, let me we say energy, not just oil. So mm, natural gas and point. and oil and everything else. Those have been big factors. And then we do a lot of trade. You know, we we manufacture a lot of our own things here. We ship them out, you know, to to all over the world. So it's not like we're not making money, right? But I don't see a reason as to why. Let's say we don't have a Uh, uh, a lavender we don't have a hub spot we don't have we don't have a a sales force coming out to the caribbean but we have people who could do those things here you understand yeah absolutely so my one of my yeah my 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 biggest concern derek in terms of how we advance like i believe that the caribbean not just and tobago but the caribbean could be its own economic hub like what's happening in africa and what's happening in india between how how the europe and north america you know They are going to these places because you're merging markets. Like markets, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's happening here with us, especially in the space of technology, especially in the space where we have the solutions. So what we are also experiencing is that we are getting some, like I didn't get to read the article, but we experienced some 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 stuff with brain drain. But people not really leaving it. People just are finding ways to do the work, but for companies abroad that are still living right here, you know. So right. so yeah, so when it comes to when it comes to our Growth and advancement. I have a big problem as it relates. I don't think it's happening fast enough, and it's not because we don't have the talent. um I think sometimes we, we squander that talent, and I think people, so the the country, and then the companies, they kind of squander the talent that they have, and then the people we squander our own talents and abilities. And I I definitely didn't want to do that for myself, and I kind of wanted myself and the parts of the company to be the example of that, you know, and. Like the name of the company, being opatsui is one person at a time starting with yourself. Wow. Okay. And, I, man, I've known you this
0: whole time. I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> That's, yeah. oh, yeah, so, man in the mirror. Yeah. So everything inside of you is because I wanted to one be- One person like, I want, at a time starting, starting with, with yourself. yourself. Yeah. Okay. So I, I wanted to be, I want to be- a, one of the many examples because i mean there are other people who do it but they may not put themselves out there as much but i want to be one of the many examples the young people coming up to say listen even if you don't have certain things i don't have the degrees i don't have the masters and stuff for that all i have is my five CXE passes which is like you just leave i don't know that might be like high school for you guys so after that that was it for me yeah. Yeah. but it doesn't mean that you can't do great things right. and it doesn't mean that you can't add value to your country and your community and stuff. And that's kind of what I want to do. I'm doing it late. I'm 46, but I mean, I'm no 48. way, Sorry. man, <laughs> 48.
0: Oh, not you even know? guessed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but well, yes. I, you have a 19
0: year old daughter. So I think you had to be somewhere up there. Wow. Yes. But I didn't know you were older than me. <laughs> I thought yes. we were about the same age. I want to read yeah. something from a pod. Uh, sorry, a blog post. You you put up. Sure. I think it's pretty foundational and it ties into what we're talking about. I'm not going to read the whole blog post, but just an excerpt here. Sure. Uh, when I say practitioners, and this is the the backdrop here is, like I mentioned, the title is the sales industry in, in Trinidad and Tobago's and its challenge with growth. And one of the areas he talks about is we need more practitioners. So when he says uh, we need more practitioners, what I mean. Is sales professionals or anyone who understands what it is needed what's needed and to help companies grow It's also meant that sales professionals must trans transition from employee to entrepreneur kind of like what you're just talking about for right. four years ago there were no locally qualified sales trainers trainer, uh, sales trainers i can't read today in trinidad and tobago uh today there are at least four so that's that's important and then he goes on to talk about some other things but the conclusion is sales professionals understand the difficulties companies face but are either ignorant, afraid or empowered or not empowered enough Powerful. to transition from employee yeah. to consultant. Right. I want to talk about that. So you so. made that transition from employee to consultant and we mm-hmm. understand the mission now behind it, but for those that are listening and want to make that transition to, to consultant um, there's a lot of apprehension naturally, right. To, to entrepreneurs, <laughs> particularly uh, is what we're talking about. So I want to ask, you know, if I just mentioned your daughter's but 19 now, I, you know, I have three and one of them's the same age as yours. Um, what was it like transitioning to consulting and entrepreneurship like when you had a daughter in high school?
1: Well, boy, um, it was hard. I, I like, it was freaking hard because one, I didn't make, so I, first and foremost, I didn't really have a, a reason to leave the job that I was doing. Right, Um, Mm. things were going really well. I mean, it was was, I didn't have a reason to leave. My burning desire, however, was that I felt that I needed to do more. Every job that I took from 2003 to now was always up in the ladder of sales. So it moved from sales, from sales rep to supervisor, to regional sales manager to assistant manager. So it kind of went up from there. And I just wanted to do more. I didn't even want to be. I didn't even want to be a business unit head because I was in the same industry, in the same company, and I already spent ten years there. However, when I made the transition, I made it bad. Hmm. So I just kind of, as we say here in Trinidad, we bust the tape, right? So we just cut things. We, so I just sent it resignation letter, for February 20. 20 so you, you, you didn't have any
0: clients uh, on deck.
1: Uh, <laughs> I was like, you no. Know what? Uh, I, I was talking to a guest. <laughs> they
0: were saying you have to have six months saved up. That sounds ideal, but not always realistic. Right. No, were you realistic. financially in a place that you could make this leap? Or were you just was this yes. pure faith?
1: Yes. But what happened is that um because I didn't understand I didn't I didn't understand how long the business would have taken to get to where it needed to be. So I ran out of money. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. Oh. Yeah. I ran out of money with, with let's say within 12 months, you know? Right. Yeah. To the point where, as you were talking about, we were talking about my daughter, it was hard to the point where. I applied for new jobs, right? I, like, I, I, I became desperate. You know, you start to get that knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, my God, what's, what's happening? Because Heck yeah, I you know, yeah, got bills to pay. Going down, you know, even though I got maybe one of my first clients, I was also very apprehensive with that first client, and I didn't charge you first this client.
0: Oh, so, so that's was my next question. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I was yeah. doing
1: work for the customer, but the work I was doing for the customer was free with the, with the sort of like a kind of concession thing, right? Um, because, again, I wasn't even sure what I could do. But when I started to do it, was like, you know, shit, I could do this thing, right? But he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And he didn't he, like, he didn't submit his proposal. So we didn't close any deals. And mm. I got no money. You understand? Know yeah. So what ended up happening is I started to work taxi, you know? So I would wake up in the morning and I could tell you that.
0: So you said you started working
1: taxi? Taxi. So we, we so taxi route. So I would wake up early in the morning and I would, would work working taxi here and working taxi there would be different in, in yours. But it's really me waking up in the morning and while people are commuting to work, I would pick up four or five people in the morning. I would yeah. work at the peak periods, drop them into Fortescue, which is a, our city in a mm-hmm. specific location. And I will do that for a period of time in the morning. And I'll do that in the afternoon. It was kind of funny doing it because sometimes you don't want people to see you doing that. You know, it's a way you leave to do your business anymore. I'm not working taxi. <laughs> and I was like, you know, so a lot of pride was in there as well, but you had to do what you had to do. You know, as I said, I didn't really have any other skill to go in and, and do anything else. Um, and then I didn't have much capital to invest in things that I used to sell from before because I used to sell other things like paper towel. I used to do other things on the side to just generate money,
2: right, right.
1: generate income. So yeah, that's that's what I did. And it it really wasn't easy to, to do because I have, you know, I have, um, as I say, child support I have mm-hmm. bills. Real to life pay, stuff. Real life stuff to pay. You know, I have, I have my car got repossessed. I had, I had shit going on. You know right. what I'm saying? So, right. so, so, facts. so you know, and yeah, it was really frustrating, brother. It was, mm. it was tough. And I think that is but what you stuck with it. I, it sounds I, like I, it as well. I stuck with it. Yeah. So, you know, so, and, you know the, I
2: kicked
0: the, I, but the time though, the, the, there's a financial component of it where the, the money starts drying out, but, I know how you work and I know how passionate you are about your, yeah. what you do. Yeah. And so that pulls you away a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. And, even, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, for you know, me, it was, that was the, and I've talked about this on other, uh, in other interviews is that, you know, I, I wasn't around. And even when I was around, I wasn't all there a lot of the times when I was yeah, trying yeah. to start this thing. Right.
1: Yeah, well, my daughter she doesn't live with me, so yeah, she. Yeah. I, so while I had the time, um, and I would I would like to tell you too that at that time was tough because I felt as though I was feeling, and I felt as though I was feeling in front of her, mm-hmm. and on the flip side, now we're being real here, so, on the flip side, um, she was seeing her mother achieving certain things my mom just bought a house daddy catching his ass doing trying to start his business <laughs> <laughs>
2: i mean we laugh you know? now man yeah. but this
0: stuff is this you know this will really mess with your head yeah yeah it, it,
1: it would you know, you know? Yeah. so and and i felt as though i was kind of feeling my daughter as well so wow. it was so even while even while i was putting certain things out there on social media mm-hmm. and as I, I always tell people I, I i try to balance my posts right so right. i'm not always super happy and that kind of thing i will let people know what's going on with me because Entrepreneurship is real. You have real live shit that happens on the back end. And some people don't even get to see the, the, the success. They they just don't make it. Right. You know? And I think a lot of the times um other entrepreneurs, they do not, they only posturize. They be like, hey, you know what's happening that's not a reality only the good
0: sides yeah yeah, yeah and i'm guilty of that sides. i don't i don't share much of the <laughs> downside but i i got my yeah. drama i have my failures yeah. and things going on but yeah. i try and hype it up to the positive wherever as possible as much as you could yeah. and you know i mean you want to be authentic um and and, and those things but yeah it's that's i, I got to give you you know kudos for that you are vulnerable that way in your yeah, content
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know so so I, I did stick with it. And it's, it's funny too, because the jobs that I applied for, um, I had people still "And then You I can't even afford you. So while I was good to hear, it was, I like, can you do the job? And I, I remember at one time I wanted to see, I just stuck in my throat. What do you have? You know, oh, <laughs> I don't do anything. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> um, but nonetheless, um, things began to to, to to turn around, but in small amounts. Like I just, right. I, felt this, like I felt it was just like a series of good decisions, Derek, that kind of eventually turned into good results. And I think that's all I always like to tell people. Well, what
0: were some of those decisions though? I mean, you know, like, let's so fast forward a little bit. When What what were the turning points? What were those, those uh, inflection points that where you started getting paid clients Mm -hmm. that were actually paying and paying on time and paying a a decent amount and Mm -hmm. you know when you started getting noticed i know that there's a you've done a lot of work in building your brand and awareness uh in the region as well so where was that turning point for you
1: the the turning point i would say started to happen in the middle of let's say around 2021 coming into 2022 right um between between 2020 into 2021 i was actually going to give up the business i was like if this if this continues this way I am not doing this anymore. I am willing to, you know. Yeah, what did you say? It was, like, it was like
0: November, I think you no, said.
1: Yeah, I was I was willing to give up in November to, to let it go at somewhere in November of 2021 mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, I
0: understand. I've been there myself.
1: Yeah, but when I talk about the decisions, some of those decisions was settling down myself and thinking, okay, what is the plan that I started off with? I actually had a plan written out before I even started from 2014, like I knew what I was going to do, what I was going to go after. Uh, when I started the business, I drifted away from that. Right? Mm-hmm. I was kind of just doing other things, seeing other people do stuff, and I just said, you know, you know, kind of, you get distracted. So I went back to that plan, and that plan was really customers I wanted to serve, the services I wanted to provide. Mm-hmm. I had made the decision to to in, to look at a CRM. The first CRM that I looked at was a comp- was one called Sofront. That I didn't like that, so I didn't. I didn't even promote it. I didn't even use it. So if I'm not using it, I definitely not going to get promoted, right? Right. Um. I started, I saw you, and that's when I, I think that's around the time that we started to look at, started to talk a little bit more. And you were yeah. doing your stuff with Salesforce, Salesforce. Mm-hmm. and I was looking around some other things. So I made the decision with HubSpot as well. And it was from around that period that things began to sort of take a particular form and um within within there as i said so the results don't come just like that the results right, come or right, the, right. the results the results are coming just because of your tenure it comes because of the series of right decisions that you've made during your your, 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 your journey right and um i mean i could go down the list seeds, of some of yeah things.
0: seeds you planted along the way yeah, that started to, the way. to to grow and yeah. you
1: know branch and the biggest one was like Things were so hard, like in 2021, what I expected to have happen. I mean, I don't even given COVID the excuse because when people say, boy, I know how COVID is going, I said, dude, I've been catching my ass before COVID. I, I've, been COVID in a lot of- <laughs> I've been going through COVID a long time, you know what I'm saying? It's so- like, oh, it's one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I did in, in early 2022 was I took like December, January, and March which is like the, the tail end of my, my financial year. My financial year normally starts in, in, in March, sorry. Mm. And I just, I didn't meet any customers. I went back to that sketch pad. I said, this is what I want to do. I put my numbers up on the board and I was realistic with my numbers. I said, this is what I have to charge customers. I need to get back into the lifestyle that I need to live. I need to get back my van. You know, I need to, you know, so I, yeah. I, just, I was just really real in terms of what I wanted to do. And if that didn't work, then I'm not doing it anymore. Mm. And I was the person who, who works with me. I was telling her, listen, I'm gonna let you know straight up if this is not working out, you, you need to find something in 12 months. And she's like, no man, it's gonna work out. You know, she's lois over there in Jamaica. And by sticking to that, Derek, and following that plan, I began to see certain things taking form. Now, mind you, they didn't just miraculously took form, they were in the pipeline from before, but it's just so when you're like, when you're so sure that this is what you want to do. I didn't even do sales training in 2022. I said, you know what? I'm going to focus on develop HubSpot now. I'm going to put sales training on the bench a little bit, and let me see what I learned while doing HubSpot implementations with these sales teams. And in 2023, I'll come back with some a smaller version of what I want to do and see how it goes from there. And that just really sort of worked out, man. So, so becoming a HubSpot partner was one of those decisions. And uh, I think the biggest thing too was, like, within those three months. I learned new things. In November, I built my own website of 2021 to come into 2022 because I felt as though I needed it. Okay, right. Um, And then I, I took the time to understand inbound methodologies properly because again, it's things that I want to teach. And then I got back into the practice of doing what I teach. So I went there into... You go. There it is. Into, into, so if I'm talking to customers about target accounts and client profiling. I did all of that stuff so I can show them on my thing. I have, listen, these are my receipts. Right. You, know, you so. built the
0: templates for yourself yeah. and the frameworks for yourself that now you can repurpose for your clients. And, you know, it's it's one thing to try and teach people to do things and advise them. But if you've actually been there, done that, and it's worked for you, then I think that's, that's telling. Now, yeah. you have two primary service offerings. Primary, I know you, you do a lot of different things but sales training you were mentioning is where you really started with in the beginning. And that's where your focus was. And that makes sense. Excuse me. And then you became a HubSpot partner. And now today I think you have six, I mean, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, you have six HubSpot certifications, HubSpot agency partner, certification, HubSpot solutions, partner,
2: frictionless.
0: I think even are a HubSpot, like, trainer as well right for the yeah. online training
1: not not as yet i'm pursuing that certification There's, as well yeah
0: very yeah. good i work with a lot of companies and see a lot of companies that are using hubspot and mm-hmm. it's getting a lot of traction it's i mean it's been getting traction it's dominating smb in market for sure mm-hmm. so anybody out there that needs an expert hubspot partner make sure you reach out to my buddy lyndon here now Talk to me about how these two offerings now complement each other, though, because now that right. you can help wire together their stack and get their CRM and sales engagement you know,
2: firing, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: now there's the craft of selling and engaging with prospects and managing pipeline growth and those things. Right, right. So I imagine that brings a lot more value into your
1: engagements. Yeah. So the HubSpot, HubSpot, to me is, is the visual component of what I do, right? It's because it sometimes seems intangible. You are like, you and I, we will talk about what we can do to help companies do it from a sales standpoint, but the tangibility of how do we see that? You don't see that unless you have some technology. So what, we, what I'm really focusing on is three things between those two offerings, people, process, and technology, right? And by just using HubSpot, so being HubSpot being the end, HubSpot has helped me help customers, help clients see where they need to develop their people, where the gaps are in the process, and um, what other areas of technology, as we were talking the other day about the tech stack, that they need to either mitigate those things or support the people from the sales enablement standpoint. Um, even with some of the even with some of the sales reps, because I could know, mm-hmm. for me, I could adjust my offerings to suit, right? I, so I can say, well, I can put this together for your sales team because from what HubSpot is showing, then you need this type of training, right? So it's very now specific and customized to them because we have the data to show with an HubSpot, you know, and um, even from the flip side, even if wow. well, standard- you, you said
0: something that's really important there, it's, it's a more it's a data driven training approach. Because you're looking at the data and you're touching the interactions yourself. You're That's seeing right. and listening to the calls. You're seeing the emails. You're seeing the activity and the reports. Right. Yeah. and So now you that informs your entire training modality when you go into those sessions with the reps and the managers as well and educating them on the business and how they can use this data and this and this tool as a competitive advantage.
1: Yeah, because one of my challenges, I know it, may be, it might sound blasphemous for a sales trainer to say this, right? Sometimes I don't believe everybody needs the same type of sales training, you know, you know, an engagement, because I have seen where the training that is being delivered isn't valuable to your top tier reps. You know, they don't need that, but because it's one whole training program, you give one them size fits all. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so I really spent a large part of the year. From as a matter of fact, it wasn't purposefully purposefully done, but because what I've been because of what I've been able to do in HubSpot, it has helped me see. Like it's, it's validated what I had in my mind. I just didn't see it as yet. So case in point, I may see there's one guy who, um, he's always had challenges with, 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 with bringing in, no, he's never really had challenges with bringing in leads, but they gave him a, they gave him a, a lead generation or prospecting sales training. And he was part of that with HubSpot. When he I could was, have let it. Is your point. Right. So <laughs> yeah. with HubSpot, what I was able to show them, I said, the, the, the training this guy needs is how to qualify those leads because He's bringing in a whole set of leads. But they ain't going nowhere. But they ain't going anywhere. (laughs) You know? So just by that alone, so now the customer sits back and say, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So I was telling them, you all spent like a a few hundreds of thousands of dollars in 2021 on a generalized sales training, giving everyone digital marketing training or online training, but they're not going to do that. You need to break it up because some guys are still strong in the core areas of sales. But again, now that we have the data, But isn't that the coaching
0: part of it though i mean isn't that where yeah. you it's hard to tailor training like a group training to one person so you yeah. you would maybe deliver the training in a group setting and then yeah. meet with them ongoing on, on the coaching side of things oh, Like you know we did the prospecting yeah. lead gen thing for you but it looks like you need qualification focus right. let's meet for the once a week for the next three weeks or yeah. whatever that program is yeah. is that and you you get into that piece too because training is that one-time shot in the arm we all know yeah. that you're also doing the ongoing side of it from a coaching standpoint, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Because I know sometimes you could pull that out too if you ask some deeper questions, right? So if you ask, well, look, can I see the list of leads that your sales reps brought in within a particular period of time? This is even before. This is like a trading needs assessment. You're just doing your analysis. Mm-hmm. So you can ask for certain things and based upon what you see and how you assess, again, you could take that front-end approach if you don't have a CRM to help you, you know? So I understand the shot in the arm part of it, but again, it's just... Me just trying to explore different ways that I can try to get in and in a in a, in a more systematic way or strategic way, and then you know filter all the training and stuff accordingly. But yes, Love that's it. so that, that's how it's been working for me, and it's it's been really not just beneficial to me to the customer and by that's extension. Important. So once they're yeah. happy and they succeed, in, I succeed as well, that's how I look at.
0: Well, and that's a good segue because one of the things I wanted to ask you is how do you set up your pricing, right? You don't have to tell us exactly what your pricing is. Right. And you mentioned earlier how you went through right. <laughs> and remapped all of that and got yourself yeah. fortified on what you charge. Right. But there's the structure and consultants vary. We see hourly time and material, we see value-based, we see objective-based, we see outcome-based. There's all these different models of pricing, and mm-hmm. you know, not not everybody does it the same. So, yeah. how do you structure your pricing?
1: So, I have my struct, my pricing structured um, in one particular way, and I'm very open with the pricing. You can go into the you can go onto my website, it's all there. Oh, good. Um, the it's more objective-based. So I we will deliver this for you. Right, And we go through a series of things to identify exactly what is it that we have to deliver, whether it's in sales training or in HubSpot. And then we say, well, this is what it's going to look like here. Here's the, the, the thing with that. Again, this is, a, a, this is me ref refining how I do it. You see that discovery call? I try to be as laser focused on that discovery call because when I write the metrics in the proposal, I'm, what if, even if it's a training, I am coming back to you with those metrics, you know? And I'm going to be fair to myself and I want to be fair to the customer. These are the things that we want to see over this particular period of time, you know? So, um, and I come back, even if the customer sometimes don't always come back and I build the pricing based upon that. So it's objectives. I look at what the KPIs are, say, okay, this is what we're going to achieve. These are the things that we're going to get out of the way first. And this is, these are the metrics that we're going to look at after. So So to be clear though,
0: when you say outcomes or objectives, you're not referring to the performance of the salesperson and them closing deals, booking meetings, and doing those outcomes. The outcomes you're talking about are: I'm going to have a dashboard ready for you. I'm going to have an implementation done by X date, or it's the the controllables that you have within the engagement. Is that is that correct, or it's, am I it's, wrong? it's
1: both? Okay. It's both. So on the on the HubSpot side, is pretty easy because you can go in, we check these things off. Right. but we also factor things in like helping them build out the sales processes and that kind of stuff. The like, consult, consultation comes in there okay. on the sales side. What we, when we're doing the, um, when we are doing the, the, the training and then we flip into the coaching, what we start looking for, the metrics that we start looking for are the sales activities. So what do we want to see, start seeing happening with somebody's sales reps? And that comes from based upon what we discussed in the, in the discovery call. And how I break up, how the metrics are, and I ask customers. So, are you okay with these things? And before they sign off, and they say yes, I, I'm like, okay, well, let's go. Very good. So, well, it's that's, yeah. that's a
0: fair, fair, fair and balanced way to do it, and you know, it's it minimizes the risk, if you will, from the client side. So, I, mean, I would, I would side. have a bigger peace of mind if I was. You know, entering into an engagement yeah. like that. You mentioned sales processes and helping people with that. I think when we were talking offline, that that's one of the biggest problems you see um, in your region is that companies that do have a sales, de- you know, department, organization, a team that's out there delivering products and getting stuff from warehouse to individual or however the model is. Like the process isn't well defined and what's missing. And, you know, the in the podcast, one of the things I try to unpack are one of those t- the toughest problems facing revenue teams. And mm-hmm. you were sharing me the toughest problem that you see in Trinidad Tobago is that there's missing sales process. They haven't been mapped. And i want to quote you here. They just know that this is what we need to do to get the thing to the customer. Yes. (laughs) I love that.
1: (laughs) So they know that we we do. So like if I say, well, how do you get it to the customer? What's the process? Oh, we do this, 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 (laughs) is, you know? And then I say, okay, well, what happens if that doesn't happen? And where does the leakage come from? I mean, they, they know, but I think no one has really kind of put them in a position to think about it like that. It's latent pain. It's like yeah. they don't realize
0: <laughs> the opportunities yeah. and the capacity that they're missing out on right. by yeah. not having that structured process in place. And they could be preventing problems downstream, downstream. With onboarding yeah. customers or servicing customers um, if they did these things properly earlier in the process, right? That's
1: correct. Yeah. So, with, with me helping customers do that, it gives again, and this is like one of the deliverables. This is like to them like a value add even for them because they get to take away. So I've kind of built out a template because I realized that the whole sales process thing was kind of arbitrary in people's minds. Right, so right. Said, it's this nuanced thing to them. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? So
2: mm-hmm.
1: i I built out like a, a, a templated sales process with stage, who's responsible here, you know, racy, all those little things. And I will, I will show them. I will say, okay, this is how you go about filling this out. And So there's an example on the first page. And then I'll say, take the time and go through this. And let's come back in a week or two's time. And then um, show me what your process is. Mm -hmm. So it will, it will go from. So there's a workshop
0: exercise that you're going through and there's homework that they, you know, get them thinking about this stuff and putting it to paper.
1: And that's not even, my, that is not even my HubSpot thing because it comes right, up a right, lot. That's right. just me saying, you know what, it will help me and it will help the customer. So, that's well, in it. order to do it yeah.
0: properly in HubSpot, I imagine, and I think that's where you, you had mentioned, up. is yeah. like when you go to do the implementation and get this structured properly for them so they can use it and adopt it, you start uncovering that there's this, it's missing a very important yes. thing that should be underpinning the implementation. Yeah, right. And so, before yeah. you bring in a CRM, for those that are listening, that are thinking about bringing a CRM, make sure that you map your sales process first. Let's get it on paper, get on a whiteboard and diagram, get it on a napkin. I don't care, but <laughs> get this thought out. And then let's talk about what that process looks like because most people would probably start from the beginning of the sales process. But what we typically recommend is to start at the end and to kind of reverse engineer yeah, reverse this. reverse
1: engineer it. Yeah right, yeah, right, So we will say, okay, well, um, so what happened? What ha- so the customer gets you thing. How do how does you how do you go go through the process of getting that to the to customer mm-hmm. so that they start they start walking it backwards? You know, start
0: thinking about the purchase order, start, start thinking about the contract, and then right. so on and so forth and getting That's up correct. to the discovery process. Right.
1: That's correct. And you know, you you will tend to find, I think I was saying this too recently, and I've said it to, to customers as well, that once I start them in that direction, you tend to find that they're having conversations with themselves. So they will to be saying, but no, we're supposed to do this. But that's not supposed to be happening. Right. Say, that's not a they process. So They're not aligned I just like back. they thought they were. <laughs> right. So I would. That's where the therapist to to in listen. our role kind of kicks in a little yeah. bit. You have to say <laughs>
0: you might have to mediate a tad bit. But no, that, that's that's yeah. you're facilitating a dialogue that's helping them uncover and you know, right. solve those yeah. those business yeah. issues. And you yeah. know, every business has its own operating model. Every business is completely unique and has its own requirements. And mm-hmm. if you know, we can't be operating with assumptions we have to communicate and confirm and validate these things so Mm -hmm. uh, I love that you form the committee reverse engineer and then obviously you do the documenting of of all those processes and the simplest thing to do is probably just throw it in a spreadsheet to start out with
1: yeah I use um I use a word document I use a spreadsheet doesn't you know whichever one works out um and as I said the thing is because we were talking about like you were mentioning what we have as a problem I think more companies really take a dedicated focus with that. Um, you will tend to find, even if they're not looking at jumping into technology, mm-hmm. you'll tend to find that they, they, they will eventually do things better by right of their customer because it always comes down to the customer, all right? right? So even when we do the sales process, we will then start talking the buyer's journey. Like what is your, so how, where does the customer fit in all of this, right? Because in Trinidad, I don't know, and I can't speak for, for the, for the states. They sell, we sell people mostly through our process. We push them to refund them, (laughs) right? So you have to do this. So a customer comes in to do X, Y, Z. Oh, no, that's not the process. You have to go, you know. This is our process. This is our policy. (laughs) Right. Words you never want to throw out to a potential (laughs) customer. Yeah. So we push them through our process. And that process can be very painstaking for the customer. So. Again, so if apart from just them, them just mapping it out, there is a section that speaks of the stage, like the customer's buying, which is also a process for them because they've never really been asked to think about it from the perspective of the customer. So I would always like, even sometimes when I start sales trainings, I will say, tell me about how you how you went to like I would say, what is the last thing that you have recently purchased? Like was some some sort of substantial right. purchase. And um, they will give me what they they will tell me certain things and I would say, okay, how did you go about doing that? And then what happened? And what was that like? So then I tell them, well, that is your buyer's journey. That's your buyer's experience. And you went through a process even before you made a phone call to a sales rep. And that's the same thing happens with your customers. So now by me preambling that way, um, they get a better appreciation and say like, wait a minute. So yeah, the customer has to do this, you know? And then I say, well, What is that like in your process? And they get to realize that maybe their processes need to cut down a little bit. Right, they have these seven steps
0: that they need to cut down to four.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, because it's just painstaking for the customer. And that, it makes it easier to now implement the whole thing with technology. Just before the call, we had had a client um, asking me, well, what else could they do with HubSpot? Because internally, because they have internal customers based upon how their business is, they they have gaps. So now I'm saying to them, well, again, tell me about the process. When does it hand over to, to someone internally? And why, you know, I would say right, right, know, right. Um, Gene, tell me what w- what happens when you receive it. You know, where do you put that reminder down? That type of thing. You know? So um, so yeah, it 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 I, I really I just said therapist there, it took me back a little bit to, to something that I remember here. Right? And yeah, it, it is us maybe. Um, helping the customer think through and kind of raise all of the different things, and we just sit down and we listen, and then we say, "Well, here's what I'm hearing, Right. and this is what you go through there." You know, right. um, but uh, as I said, the, the the main, apart from all of that, what would really help us, to Derek, in the Caribbean, is kind of the reason why I am so passionate about it and why I felt I needed to bring it to the, to Trinidad and Tobago, is the proper adoption of of technology. Yeah, yeah. When when people were talking about um. The new normal when COVID hit and everybody had to be Zooming and stuff like that. So I was working for a company that was selling technology, and it wasn't a problem to use um, uh Cisco and uh, go to meeting. That was normal for me, right? So so yeah. Zoom and stuff wasn't no big thing, right? right. But, um, because we're not early adopters, all of these things seem new, and we we, for a long period of time in Trinidad and Tobago, and I, I would say by extension the Caribbean. We 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 take things for granted and we like things to run as normal. We have pockets of people who are really pushing mm-hmm. yeah. the envelope. In
0: that blog post, you're mentioning how we like to be comfortable, which I mean, yeah, I mean you are in paradise. So I mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um we only like we only jump out to to do something when it's like severely affecting us, hence COVID. Mm. You know? Uh but now like I'm seeing customers kind of rolling back and saying, ah. Oh, eh. We'll talk about athletes. <laughs> you know, paradise is coming back. You know, exactly. You
0: know. Well, I mean, but- it's hard not to. I mean, so if I, if I was in Santa Barbara, which is our own little paradise in California, uh, I lived there for a couple of years, and it's funny because the the culture in that region is kind of like what you're talking about. It's very laid back. Uh, what's the rush? Let's go hang out at the beach. You know, it's and then you come to the Silicon Valley where I'm from. Uh, originally. And it's go, go, go fast pace, highly competitive. And to see that just in a four hour drive difference uh, alone, I I can relate. For me, it was tough because it's like, I want to go, I want to, what's the next opportunity and so forth. But uh, I can see how that might be a little A little frustrating for you, but I love that you're leading the charge around that, as opposed to saying, "Let me go to the states where it's more my pace." Like, let's pick up the pace here, people, and leading that by by example. Now, you're you're helping a lot of companies, and you're giving a lot of important advice. You're helping them, you know, guide the direction of their organization. Last question for you before we you know wrap up here: Um, How do you get better? How do you reinform your models? How do you stay sharp? As an advisor, as a consultant, as a trainer, so that you can continuously give the best to to your clients.
1: Yeah, so I, I that's a real good question, and it's something I always tell people. It's kind of the the the, the backbone of a path to. I'm always a student. Mm. always a student i'm always or, learning something new i'm always studying something always be, be
0: learning, learning. Mm. always
1: be learning you know i think earlier i said i would taken three months off just to learn things so i learned how to build a site i learned about growth driven design i learned about inbound i got my certifications and then it just brought me back to the point where i needed to go back to basics a little bit that was me taking the time to to to, to learn um even even in terms of how i'm trying to position sales training now that's me testing different things you know so I would always say expose yourself to learn new things even if you are not going to do it I still want to be able to talk about it. like I'm talking to guys about supporting me for web, web development now right mm-hmm. I'm not going to be doing web development but I know how to build a site in a so I could speak some of the language
0: right
1: on both sides from the customer end and from the, the web developer side but that's not my core thing you know, but I, at least I want to be able to say, well, you know what? I built a couple of sites before, and this is what I experienced. So, because here's the other thing with that too. By me exposing myself to that, it's also been able. I've also been able to help the customer by not just building a site, but thinking of what is the sales process with that site. Right. Like, where is it,
0: where, why is the site important? Where does yes. it come in the process and how it's an anchor in your whole right. online strategy? Yeah, exactly. And what do
1: these pages and buttons mean? Mm-hmm. What, so when you're putting a button here, what's the button for? What are you going to do? Backlinks so, and out. Exactly. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know? So I, as I say, it's, it's the, the by me exp- exposing myself to learn new things, I think it's, it's made me better. Like I really haven't read right. much s- different types of sales books and stuff in a while that is only because I've been learning more technical stuff even when it comes to technical sales strategies
0: fair Mm -hmm. you
1: know
0: um well being in the HubSpot camp I'm sure you're immersed in learning on a regular basis and for those that uh, aren't terribly familiar with HubSpot they they don't just teach tech they teach strategy and tactics as well there's a lot of online resources available through that community and i know you're helping you know working on leading that charge and being sort of the, on the teaching side of things so there's a lot it all comes together right the whole craft of selling and the, the tactics that we use it all comes together with the technology the tech's only as good as the people in the process as i'm sure you yes, agree that's
1: correct
0: 100%. right? so where should people where should people go to find you if they want to learn more uh about your services or you and
1: where should they go so they can go to um opatswi.com. So that's www. No, it's not Swahili, and it's not Nigerian. <laughs> yeah. and all. It's 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 Trinidad and Tobago. And as I say, you know, I, I would have explained what that what that means. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you can just look for you can look for me on on um, on LinkedIn as Lyndon Bruffett. And um, you could also look for me on Instagram. As Instagram as well. Yeah. And then, of course, you can look for Patsy as a Patsby on Instagram as well. And, of course, we know push on the TikTok side, but look for me on TikTok. I mean, well you're as omnipresent, as well.
0: present, dude. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, you're on, you're on Twitter. You're on everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm, I'm out there. I'm out there. I'm That's out there. right. That's, and I love that. <laughs> you know? Stay
0: active. You've been listening to the Sales Consultant Podcast. If you enjoyed the interview and would like to support the show, please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or on Spotify, please also consider following our LinkedIn page. If you're an industry expert or if you know an industry expert that should be on the show, message us on LinkedIn at the Sales Consultant Podcast.